0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. I'm my like chip man. I got this, yeah.
2: Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're coming at you early this week with recap. And set the spread so Danny and I can hit the film room as usual. We, we we have our best cards when we have extra time to film. So we're getting it out of the way early. Boys, how are we feeling? I know Kobe something's on the tip of your tongue, Kobe. You're about to say yeah. something. Like it's <laughs> not early, it, it's it's Thursday.
1: But yeah, That's exactly where I was going. I think Reese's lost in time space continuum. No. Uh, It's not early in the week, but there's no event this week. So we're coming for set the spread week and a half early.
2: So basically the way I'll get it is we're so
0: early that we're in the week before. That's where I'm at mentally. But Dan, we're juiced as gamblers. You got to be excited for the gambling season really to start. It's football. I mean, college pro it's we're getting really into the thick of things. Gambling every night, drinking every night, favorite time of the year.
2: This is what it's all about. So we have to take our, like, don't worry. We still got capsule mouthwash to keep the shakes off, but all in all, <laughs> we're ready to hit this pot running. So we're going to start off with a recap of Bronson till, which I really am excited for. It's only a nine fight card, but there's some definitely talking points on that card. We're going to shift into news and notes and then country clubs going to take it from there and do the usual set the spread as always. Um, Anything else we need to add before we get the show running? I know that we have some interviews on the horizon, so as always, you know, get the notifications going, subscribe, do all that good stuff, so you don't miss out on some of these interviews. There, I mean, when I heard some of the names we have on on the agenda, it's it's exciting. So stick around; you don't want to miss them. But let's start now with all that preamble out of the way. Oh, follow us at Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter and everywhere you can get it. Um. With that being said, last week's card, Brunson, Till, Fight Night, it was an early one. They were trying to showcase a lot of the, you know, European fighters, Till being the main event. So it was an early one. It was a short card. Unfortunately, this is one that was plagued by a lot of stoppages. Danny, I I think we didn't, we we had a rough one. We both did. It it didn't go well for me on my end.
0: Over on my end as well. Kept it small just because I knew this one was going to be a little shaky, but couldn't get that Jack Sore finish. And then uh, also the David Zavada just got a little bit outmatched. That was not something yeah. I saw.
2: And then I actually, although all week I was sitting here talking about how old Brunson's going to do this and that and that, I, I ended up fucking playing myself and taking Till. And as you know, I'm, I'm excited to get into that one. But let's start here with, um, I guess, a quick ad. Mark andre Burial versus Dolce Lugambula seemingly went pretty similar to how I thought. The one takeaway for me, though, that I thought is I was impressed with Beriel's, uh I, I mean, it's not something to be impressed about. I want to say chin, but that's really not great because he was a lot – His 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 defensive guard was not great. But he took some of Dolce's heaviest shots throughout the fight. Dolce didn't gas like I thought he would. And it's just, I wanted to mention this one. I know is a curtain jerker, but Barry Olt coming in as the top middleweight Canadian prospect. And I believe also light heavyweight. And, you know, we haven't totally seen everything from him yet, but I think this is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, Barry I agree with
1: you. hundred yeah. percent. Great sign.
2: So th- this one was also an interesting one. It was a catchweight bout at 150. They usually fight at 45. I just, it was a short notice fight just trying to fill the card out. But Julian Juicy J Rosa fought Charles Jourdain. This one was as advertised in my opinion. I was expecting a striking match and it, it was um, until you could see that once a Rosa had the, the, uh, the grip locked up and, and rolled it over. It was, that was all she wrote. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Julian Arosa continues to be one of the hardest guys to bet on or against in the UFC. It's always an exciting fight, always fireworks, but really anything can happen. And as we saw, I actually thought he was down on the scorecards when he notched up or laced up that darse.
2: Yeah. You can make that argument for sure.
1: Once he, um, once Arosa, yeah, nine of his 10. Oh, it looks like he's got, Oh, he was a contender. series has got i I'm sorry. No, uh, tough. Fighter. Way back in the day, yeah. He also got cut so, from the
2: UFC, and this is his second stint.
1: I'm doing some quick math here, but between tough Contenders Tuesday Night Contender Series and his UFC career, it looks like 12 of his 14 fights have been inside the distance, so that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's crazy. So I'm glad, actually,
2: I'm glad you actually mentioned that.
1: Two things, Kobe, now that we have you on deck.
2: As usual, go through uh, performance bonuses, fight of the night as as we get to them. I love going over that stuff because it's it's interesting to see how we had that lineup. But uh,
0: the last I, interesting I, thing about yeah. Rose's record is one of those few 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 um, decisions is actually a Patty Pimblett decision. Mm. And I'm assuming he he lost it. Yeah, he lost that. Was
2: that in Cage Warriors? Yep. Yeah. Five by
0: five minute rounds,
2: though. Yeah well so the I actually took the under two and a half on this one here because of the fact that I knew it would be a firefight it worried me because I I really don't like taking unders especially guys that are under 185 pounds it's like or even 170 I guess if it's, if you're under 170 it's tough featherweights don't finish as often you know like whatever moral of the story though I missed it by 20 seconds if you look with that submission but it I mean, it sucked, but it, these guys came to fight at the very least. And I'm actually shocked Kobe didn't uh, stop us because I thought this could have had a, a, a fight of the night. Um, Kobe, is it, is it for performance of the nights or is there a fight of the night?
1: There is a fight of the night and it's not it.
2: Okay, cool. Let's keep on moving. Jack Shore looked phenomenal. Dan, I rode in the distance with you. You took in the distance. There was an opportunity at the beginning of the first where in the distance looked likely. This guy reminds me, and it was actually a question that I posed to the group was, who's the better wrestler? Jack Shore, Morab DeVolishvili. I think it's more cardio-based on Morab's side. Like, he'll just keep going and going and going, even though Jack Shore probably is a little more technical. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just basically just rode Ludovic from, from top control the entire time, was very systematic with his transitions. And I, I was very impressed with Jack Shore. It's just like, I feel like, personally, you
0: should be finishing guys like, like Shalinian. Oh, I completely agree, and, and like you said, he had all the opportunities. Mounted him in the first, uh, had his back in the first as well, and it also just kind of seemed like after the halfway point, Shore was content with taking the decision because he knew yeah. he was going to have it and didn't really need to risk anything. He definitely showed me that his striking looks improved. Um, I saw, even that though well. that Lud- Ludovic isn't so much of a poised striker, but. All in all, Short just showed why he's undefeated. I don't expect him to, I don't expect it to change anytime soon unless he does get a big step up. But yeah, I was disappointed he didn't get the finish.
2: Yeah. I, And it's just like one of those things where when, like, people knock Mirab right now, I talk about Marab a lot. He's one of my favorite prospects, if you even consider him a prospect still, but he's, he's one of my favorite guys that I think could actually claim gold. And people's biggest knock on him, it's like, well, he, He does not finish. I mean, he he doesn't have a finish in the UFC. All decisions. Like, I guess there's a question I've never really asked before, but something I'm thinking about live while we're talking is, do do you need to be a champion? Do you need to be a guy who, like, gets finishes over over lesser people? Or is it acceptable to be, and I don't want to say, like, Habib, because he did get a lot of finishes in his career, but, like, guys who just maul you, every second of every you know they're just on you like a fucking wet blanket is that just as championship worthy as a guy who finishes you in in 50 seconds you know yeah i
0: i don't see why not i mean i i know that obviously that's changed recently but if you look at the um very beginning of kamaru's ufc career and his whole run he, he wasn't finishing anyone who was i think no, you're right one finish in his first like eight fights after the ultimate fighter. And, and recently he's put that together, but you definitely don't as he's shown.
2: Yeah. And you know what? That's an unreal comparison, Dan, because I mean, Kamaru's what 34 now, 33, something like that. And you're looking at Kamaru and, and he fights similarly, I mean, bigger, but similarly in his early days to Jack Shore and Marab, where consistent pressure, um, putting people just being on top of people nonstop using being physically dominant over people. And, and since he's worked on his striking, as we've seen, you know, like that jabs up there and some of those beautiful jabs in, in the sport right now. But yeah, I, I think that I agree with you. I just think that I, I see the biggest knock being well, Jack shore can't finish Ludovic Shalinian and, and Marab doesn't finish anybody. And, but I, I think that I look at it from a pure point where it's like, I would rather have a champion who just mauls people and than a guy who's like super flashy and wins some and loses some, but always you know what I mean? Like a uh I can't really think of a champion that
0: just finishes, guys, but I guess in But do you uh, think Shore sure, not to get too bogged down, but do you think yeah. Shore gets a ranked opponent next? I think he should.
2: I I but here's my question to you you're a ranked opponent. Um I'm not signing that dotted line. Me neither. Yeah. There, okay. There you go. I mean, if you're, I mean, you're looking at how, how what number fight is this for sure in the UFC? Do we have a quick call on that while we're here? I think I should be able to get it up. So Jack shore is 15 and zero right now, but he's three, four, four and zero in the UFC Hunter Azure was nine and one at the time, Aaron Phillips, 12 and three. I mean, he, I would say yes, but on that flip side at 35, you know, you, you're going to offer him Song Yudong, Cody Staman. Cody might take that fight, actually. He's a gamer. Um, a Sun Tsa would be interesting. Cheeto would be interesting. You know what? I, I would like a ranked opponent here. I would. I really want to see. I mean, I know Dana's not super into flying people up the rankings fast.
0: Like I think he'd be a good matchup for any of the four people you just named.
2: I agree. I agree. But I, I agree. I don't know. I mean, the other thing that's crazy that people might forget is Jack shore, 26 years old. I mean, that's, there's a lot of, of career changes to happen His affiliation is shore mixed martial arts. I mean, that's not, that's not a breaking camp. It's probably, it's his own gym. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited. I, now that you mentioned that I, I hope we see a ranked opponent in his future. And then the prelim capper, women's flyweight bout, meatball Molly McCann uh, versus G. yoon Kim. Molly dropped the first one, got dropped with an accidental headbutt, and then grinded out a, a just a decision after that. I actually managed, full disclosure, to get 50 bucks, 50 whole big ones live on Molly McCann plus 160 at the end of the first round. I was pretty proud of that. That came through and looked good. But.
1: There's no way this is fight of the night, Kobe, right? That's what I'm chiming in for, 50 no. big ones for both of them. For wow. fight of the night yep
0: I was looking up and down the card after you said there was a fight of the night and I was like I don't know who they gave it to but okay interesting I mean it, it it did have a really entertaining third round or at least the last like two and a half minutes of the fight but I don't know about a 50k bonus
2: no that's tough that's tough you know what I would go as far to say that I wish he did one of the 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 four performances instead because there's a couple people on here that I imagine are about to get snubbed out of 50K is going to be my guess because there's three really good finishes on that main card. So, someone got snubbed. Um, interesting. So, I guess that got fight of the night. It I mean, it was a pressure fight. It was a good fight.
1: I don't know. You know who's not getting snubbed? Hmm.
0: Moving from bonus to
1: bonus up the Patty card. Patty Pimlet. Yeah. Patty yeah.
0: Pimlet.
2: First card on the main event, Patty Pimlet, a guy who, like we've – Hinted a bunch on the podcast is a guy that if you're only focused on the UFC, he he made an appearance today. You, you're just hearing about him. If you're deep in the sport of mixed martial arts, you know about him. You've known about him for a while. He held two belts in cage warriors. He's very outspoken, draws a lot of um, comparison to, to Connor, just a loud European <laughs> Um, But he delivered, man, and he got rocked early by Vendermini. This was a spot for me that I thought, I know Danny was in a similar spot that there might be value here. He got rocked early and and showed out and ended up getting a really, really good KO. I mean, it was was vicious. I mean, Luigi went to sleep, folded like a 7-2 offsuit.
0: Oh, yeah. It surprised me, too. I think I even made the comment when we compared him to Connor on our uh, main episode that he's not going to knock anyone out with a left hook. And he must have heard me because – damn that was a ferocious one but he really showed me in this one that he's a he's a gamer he's a fighter that got a lot of heart I, he as you said ate one early and fought back i mean i think um bisbing made the comment afterwards as well that wasn't even a scratch on his face after that first round oh, even did, after yeah. the all the shake up in the middle but yeah he's a guy that i'm really excited for there's definitely going to be a huge tax on betting on him in the future
2: yep but hey, rightfully so he's
0: exciting. The other thing too
2: is he looked really uh good at 55. He looked big, bigger than I remember in Cage Wars. He looked good.
0: They, yeah, this was definitely the biggest or the strongest he's ever looked. Yeah, the most filled sure. out is is uh, I think we said it also on the on last week of the pod that he was a guy who had gotten the call uh before COVID almost a year and a half ago yeah. to make the appearance to the UFC or make the crossover to the UFC and turned it down because he didn't think he was ready or at the, yeah. didn't think it was the right move in his career at the time. And clearly the extra time has been great for no. Just yeah. form. He,
2: I, and, and I know people might not be super familiar with Luigi Vendermini, but it's not like he's a bum. It's not like they gave him just a COVID fighter. They're going to, I mean, he put the work on him early and it just Patty. I'm glad to see him face that adversity um, early. The other thing too, is we do talk about cards every once in a while on this podcast sports cards, uh, Panini, the guys who make the UFC cards, actually released a Patty Pimlet, Piblet, uh UFC instant card, which means like in the flash moment card. So he got his first card released right after the fight um, of him getting the decision, which is just cool. I, you rarely see that. So I think you're about to see, you know, if Patty was a stock, you invest now because you're about to see potentially, I mean, the next wave of like the Adesanya's and the, McGregor, like the next personality the UFC kind of rides on a little bit. And he showed yeah. up. Yeah. I think uh the card sold out in like 22 minutes. And I'm in the card space. I didn't even know it was live. I mean, it, it was live and sold out before I even got the news. This one is a sad one. This next one here it's a light heavyweight bout. Badeskis, Buka, Bukowskis versus Khalil Roundtree. And it ended in a bad injury. Um, Bukowskis is having a tough night in the hospital because not only was his nose bent in a, in a right angle, but a a move that I believe should be outlawed. I've been saying that for a while, that front stomp kick to the knee uh, and, and Khalil executed perfectly. He even said in his post-fight interview that when uh, Bukowskis threw that left jab, he put all of his weight on his front leg, which left an opportunity for Khalil to capitalize on that, on that sidekick and it landed flush and just the knee just gave out. And so uh, it, it is confirmed. Bukowskis has a MCL ACL PCL tear. It, it, his knees fucking shredded. Um, so anyways, well, Khalil won via KO TKO about halfway or exactly halfway through the second round. But it was a, it was one of those where, you know, the moves, completely legal and round found an opportunity in taping. And obviously he didn't want to win like that. But when you go in there, you go and you say, I, I mean, he's going to do it to me if I don't do it to him. Right. You got to do what you got to do. You got to figure out how your best path to victory. It's just a tough one for me to see because Bukowski is going to be sidelined for at least a year and a half. You know what I mean? He, he's going to have a long road to recovery if he does come back.
0: Yeah. I mean, you hate to see it. Like you said, it's a legal move, but it's definitely a move that's like, unwritten rule illegal in any kind of training setting. No one's throwing that. Um, and, and sadly forgetting the injury, I don't think this fight was going to end any differently. I, I think that as tough as Modescus was showing, he is, he was kind of getting pieced up from the beginning and, and that the damage was just evident right away. And
2: yeah, yep. the right, the writing was on the wall for sure. I mean, he, once that nose got cracked, I mean, props to him for staying in there. He did not fade for a second. You could see he had to start breathing through his mouth, but yeah. I mean, Roundtree looked powerful as ever, and that's what I'm saying. I know we were talking about how Bukaskis uh, is a potential bet here, um, but Roundtree looked just fucking huge and ginormous, and he looked yeah. good. And you never know what Roundtree you're gonna get. Walter Ray about Alex Moreno, David Zawada. We lost this one pretty. We both did. We were both around Zawada here, saw an opportunity. Morono put it on him for three rounds and got the decision.
0: Yeah, Morona just looked like the bigger, stronger, more technical guy. He was just first in every exchange. Which is just shocking.
2: Uh, I You know, hats off to him. I mean, I, I just, I think more than anything else, the takeaway from this fight is Zawada looked like shit. Much less about Alex, Morona looked phenomenal. I think Zawada just looked like shit. I mean, he couldn't, none of his, it, every, he got dominated in the clinch. His grappling exchange was terrible. Morono pushed the pressure on the feet. It was just not good. Heavyweight comain This is my one winner of the day that felt really good. Heavyweight comain Tom Aspinall, uh, quick KOTKO halfway through the first round against Sergey, Sergey Spivak. Uh, and then, yeah, I see the mute from Kobe. That is the other performance of the night. Correct. You know, 50K going to Tom Aspinall. I mean, we've been saying it for a while that Aspinall is like the heavyweight prospect to watch, but this just separates him that much farther. You know what I mean? I mean, he's very fucking talented and he throws hard and he's technically sound. And he, the fact that he's subbing, uh, Andre Arlovsky and then coming in here and just slumping Spivak like that. I am very, very, very impressed by Aspinall. I laid the 235. I laid the 235.
0: And it's not like he dropped him from a straight or some kind of, overhand it, it was a short hook off the clinch like no wind up no hip rotation that man's got some power in the in his hands yeah, yeah.
2: and it, it and it was a you you mentioned it it happened on the exit and those are the the strikes when when guys throw really vicious elbows on the exit or those short hooks out of the exit those can be extremely like devastating we saw it I believe it was last week's card uh maybe William Knight did it you know, where it was, there wasn't even, there was literally no wine over throw at all. It's just a short hook out of, the, out of the exit. And if it lands on the chin, man, these guys at, at 265 or 245 can really fucking put your lights out quick. But well-deserved performance tonight for Aspinall there and continue to be a prospect to watch. And then the middleweight main event. And Kobe, you're going to need to cut me off here at some point because this is a rant that I feel like I could go on forever. I said it live on air last week that Darren Till is, has shown me nothing at middleweight, has shown me literally nothing at middleweight for me to think that he should be a high-ranked opponent in mid, the middleweight division, let alone, like, I know that middleweight's thin, so they gave him ranking, he's a big name, but even his welterweight career was like, okay, yeah, he got embarrassed by Woodley in that main event, but, like, I'm telling you, man, this man is a personality more than he is, like, a very viciously ranked fighter. Like, look, the news broke. I don't know if you guys have heard this. This might be news. I'm okay. You have, yeah. The news broke that Darren Till apparently was fighting with an ACL injury. His coach said it that he sprained or maybe tore his ACL. Tore, okay, tore his ACL before the the Bronson fight. Took the fight anywhere, anyway. And you know, it's interesting to hear that because the entire time I was yelling at my TV that something's wrong with Darren Till because it did, he looked like shit. He looked like shit out the gate. He had zero answer for the takedown. When he did get taken down, he was content laying on his back. Didn't work the underhooks at all. Didn't sweep towards the fence. Wasn't even
0: shrimping. Wasn't trying to get to a hip. Like
2: literally nothing. What, no, no butterfly guard. No, nothing. He closed his guard and he sat there and let Darren t- or Derek Brunson murder him with elbows. So at the time of the fight before, obviously I knew the ACL injury and stuff. I was furious. I ended up riding till because of the fact that I won't lie. I I've worried about Bronson's chin in the past. And I thought that if Darren till can use, if you look at, if you tape the Robert Whittaker fight till was very good at getting back to his feet and he was very good at working the sweeps and getting back to his feet. And if this state is striking battle, Darren till is victorious. And you, we mentioned that Dan last week when we were talking about the breakdown of this one. So, if the injury and, and we'll see, I mean, he's going to have to get surgery if it's torn and, and rehab and all that stuff. If this coach's injury is real um, and and he's really hurting and he, he, and he's sidelined for a while and whatever, then, you know, I almost wish he didn't take the fight cause he got fucking worked. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm shocked that he would take
0: the fight. That, on torn ACL brings a- up another issue. I mean, right. We're, t- we've got a guy who was accepting a fight on a torn ACL who accepted a fight last time with a broken collarbone. It's, yeah. it's and such a huge question mark of what's going through his mind or what coach's mind or what's going on with that yeah. camp to let him take these fights and move forward. And it was shocking. On top of that, the, the lack of takedown defense. I know that we said that the ACL probably had a huge factor in that, but it really felt like, there was absolutely no knowledge of even setting up a wizard or nothing. nothing. It was shocking.
2: Nothing. The other thing too, that bothered me probably the most was Darren Till never struck me as a guy would be a quick tapper. You know what I mean? I mean, a guy who I have never seen someone. And again, I mean, he got whaled on for two and a half rounds.
0: I mean, but even in that situation, that was right after he had his only success of the fight. He had cracked him for the first I time. We, I was I thinking, know. oh, this is the change that I th- thought. This Brunson is game, a little yeah. bit more tired. Darren finally cracked him. And then it wasn't even a good shot. It was just no. terrible. It was so telegrammed. So telegrammed. He, he, he threw Brunson into his full mount. Yep. And he then it was ridiculous. Rotates
2: to his back to avoid the full mount. And then Derek Brunson doesn't even have to struggle to get it in. And, and before it's even latched up, Darren Till's tapping for the exit. And Ooh. then
0: even with that, it was a transition to the back like let me lay flat here not try and shimmy you off like there was no plan it was just I don't want to get wailed on and mount anymore let's see if the choke's probably going to hurt less right and now you're
2: looking through a guy like Darren Till who was undefeated at a time putting the hurt on a lot of people tired Woodley in the title defense being his first loss and he's talking about how he's not scared of anyone. He's going to fuck. Anyone can get it. He's going to destroy anyone. He's the, he's, he is, his big hype video that really got him was he was saying he's the best fighter and he's not going to stop until he's the best fighter in the world and all stuff. And you're getting slumped by Masvidal in London. You're winning decisions that you don't deserve against Wonderboy boy Thompson. And now you're at middleweight and you dropped to one and two now, maybe one and three with a split decision victory over Gaslam. And it's like, Where does, honestly, I mean, I know Darren Till puts butts in seats, but where the fuck does he go from here? Because after this, I never will feel comfortable betting on him again, knowing that he takes fights extremely injured and is willing to phone it in like that. And, uh, you know, just quick tap out and just call an afternoon. Like I'm, I'm, I actually was pissed on Saturday. I had a bad feeling all day. Well, that's the 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 shitty part.
1: He sounds like oh, he goes yeah, under yeah. the knife. Like we're not gonna know where he goes for, like you said, at least a year. Like if he, if his ACL is torn, then we're we're not even talking about that anytime right. soon.
2: Right. But if you're if you're Dana or Mick Maynard or matchmaker, like are you really gonna give this guy another ranked middleweight fight or a high ranked middleweight fight when probably not that's
1: so far down the road. Like I know we well, don't that's even the know
0: one part about middleweight. If you're looking at these rankings, yeah, we're gonna give him another mid, uh, ranked opponent, we're gonna give him a, a top ten opponent. Uriah Hall is sitting at nine. Yeah. Kelvin Gastelum is still 10. Edmund Chabazi and Chris Weidman, Kevin Holland are all ranked. God, middleweight. Darren Wade. Till is going to be a favorite over every single one of those.
2: Middleweight's brutal, man. Middleweight's brutal. I just think like in all honesty, what you need from Darren Till is, I'm not saying he needs to change camps or do anything, but like we all know that the striking talent is is there, it's evident. I, I think you need to get a mindset change there, man. Because if you're taking a a fight with a broken collarbone and then right after taking a fight with a torn ACL and getting
0: annihilated. Like you can't, I mean, you're going to take years off your career, taking elbows like that. No, I I think you're on top of it. The last thing I'll say is I I just think it all comes down to his camp. He's a guy who hard spars all the time. He he spars like he fights. There's not really a, whatever, a cruise control at all. And, And it leads to a ton of injuries. As we mentioned, he's a guy that gets injuries in camp almost every camp. And it's because he's sparring too hard. We, I mean, we see Max Holloway. He didn't spar, and he said he felt the best that he ever had. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a –
2: People do differently in different camps,
0: but but yeah. Give and take.
2: So, anyways, definitely left a bad taste in my mouth the rest of Saturday. But that being said, that's going to wrap up Brunson Till. I know we got deeper into the weeds than we usually do, but this needed to be – a lot of that needed to be talked out because I'm sitting here just – with my jaw dropped at some of the stuff I saw last week. Uh, Performance bonuses were listed. Good stuff. Fight of the Night was a shocker. But, you know, on to next week. And speaking of next week, we also have one more quick recap. Now, this will be quick. But this show, the Tuesday Night Contender Series, has been popping off so far this year. I mean, both Nights have been fucking crazy with finishes and performances. And last week there was four fights, five contracts. A loser got a contract for the first time ever. And this week uh, is, is very similar. Uh, They were being handed out. So um, five,
1: five fights, five contracts,
2: five fights, five contracts. So Chad and Hellinger defeated uh, Gafarov as a huge dog. And so, also, and I have the picture stamped to prove it, I I had I had this here. I had an Helliger who just came off two years ago, beat Brady Highstad, um, tough get tough semifinalist or finalist. And he he beat him, and then he's he's similar to Brunson. He changed camps after starting his career three and five, gone on like a nine-fight win streak since then or whatever, adding this one to the belt. I think Gafrov though will be in the UFC at some point. Like I, his wrestling and, and his, he's.
0: Uh, and just the way the commentators were talking about yeah. him. He's a guy that they were priming and priming the fans yeah. for a quick entry to the UFC. The result didn't go how they wanted, but yeah, we'll see him again. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if he, I think he's proficient in Greco Roman or
2: something, but he's, uh, or Sambo combat Sambo. So whatever it is, he's, he's a phenomenal wrestler and it just showed that, I was very impressed with then Halliger and, and he was plus three fifty after being one, one going to the third round. And I threw a little extra there too. So uh split decision there. Next one, CJ, uh, Vergara to beat Bruno Correa, Uh, and this and one quick was in, one. Yeah. And he was another
0: dog. And this one was quick with the need of the liver, I believe. Nasty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah. nasty. He tagged him right away and then it was all downhill. I don't think that, and I think that the wheels fell off the wagon the second that Bruno got hurt with that first uh, right hand.
2: Yeah, it was the beginning of the end early, and it ended in 41 seconds. So obviously, no surprise there. Contract given out. Uh, Simon Oliveira defeats Jose Alba uh, Alde, Alde, and this one to me, they it got a split decision. I don't know how. I seriously have no idea what the judge was watching. Um, Simon Oliveira clearly won two, if not three rounds. The one thing though, and Dana mentioned it, Cormier was kind of lukewarm. He goes, they didn't get a finish. You know, they they didn't wow me. Dana gave it to him because Oliveira is clearly a gamer. I mean, they pointed to the middle of the ring a couple of times and just absolutely slung leather. And I I don't hate the contract being given out there, but a a split decision victory for that third fight. Fun fight, fun fighter.
0: Fun fight, fun fighter.
2: Uh, Co-main event, ground and pound uh, halfway through the, uh, the third round. Chidi and Juk- Jukani, Jukwani beat Mario Souza. Mario Souza, this was his second attempt on the contender series. The first one, he got a uh, victory via decision, and then they it just didn't get the job done. They weren't, you know, it, it wasn't like a, what Dana wanted to see. Comes back and, and drops this one here to a, a, the definition of a veteran. I mean, he's been fighting in Bellator for a while. Um, Chidi not only fought in Bellator for a while and had some really notable wins, but in his early career, too, I mean, he's beating guys like Max Griffin, uh, Gilbert Smith, who's a, an Ultimate Fighter alum. Uh, there's a lot of uh, big names here. I think Alan Ban is on that list. So he, he's gone very valuable rounds with high level fighters, made it all the way to Bellator, uh, LFA, too. And now this victory on Contender Series got him the contract that he
0: seemingly has been, you know, on the fringe of for a while now. Yeah, and he looked great—a phenomenal kickboxer to keep your eye on. Um, it, it it is just a little bit of a red flag as, as a guy that has a losing record in the past couple of years in Bellator, but hey, let's let's hope that he's got the right step forward.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, he, he,
0: the but the thing that I liked
2: about the Bellator is like. The the wins he was getting or the losses he was getting like those are valuable rounds. I mean, I guess yeah, a couple a couple finishes. But yeah, I agree. And moral of the story: it, it was a it was a well deserving win and contract given out there. And then the main event was uh, Josh Quinlan versus Logan or, or Urban Logan Urban five and one and he's one of those guys. We mentioned it with Brady heistad who's like record. He was five and one, but his record. Uh and his wins were like fucking three and fifty. You know what I mean? Like he was fighting guys who were one and eight, one and seven, whatever. Uh, against Josh Quinlan, who was five and oh, but I mean, he really didn't have that long of a resume either, I- as far as pro martial arts go. So I laid off this one, but it was a quick, really quick finish, 47 seconds in. Uh, props to Logan, though. He took the fight on like three-day notice or or four, it was very quick, four-day notice. Um, but Josh Quinlan got the job done and also got a contract. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add on week two contender series. Um, but one thing I wanted to add from week one contender series is, and for, uh, contender series continues week three this Tuesday. But one thing I wanted to add in from week one contender series is there's a guy on that card who already has a fight. Uh, the main event, Asmat already got booked for a fight, uh, I believe in November or October and November. So quick turnarounds for these contender series guys. And the show for me is a must watch. If you haven't seen it, these fights have been phenomenal so far. Oh yeah. So Kobe, I don't see your camera on, but it's time for news and notes. I'm here. Cool. Um,
1: real quick this week, not a whole lot. We got a couple of flight announcements. Let's roll through. Um yep. Duplessis and Andre Mooney's for December 11th. That's
2: an interesting fight there. I, I yeah, that's a that's a really good fight there I like Mooney's a lot there but that's that's a big step up in competition for Dupussses
1: And then Paula Costa, Marvin Vittori October 2010
2: tell me if this is mistaken but wasn't this already announced? I think we've talked about it but I'm I not thought it was sure. already
0: announced maybe we just got the date now I know I think that there was a Paulo injury and so this is the reannouncement of, ah. of the, a new date it got canceled and this is probably okay. a reschedule okay because I was like so shocked I was like oh I thought this was
2: already set in stone and we had it coming up but okay cool so that's good to know
1: um so does Brunson figure into that I know that Brunson, I don't want to spend too much time back on Brunson but he was calling out yeah. Izzy after the fight and like we're talking about a fight Izzy is still Whitaker's written that written next to Izzy and that's not even scheduled yet so is Brunson going to wait a year Is Brunson going to fight one of these guys? Is he going to take a name like Cannoneer? Where where does Brunson go?
2: So I think Brunson sits this one out. He's 37 years old. He's finally making a run towards middleweight gold. I think he sits this one out and tries to shimmy his way to winner of uh, Adesanya v. Whitaker.
0: What do you think, Dan? I don't hate that. Uh, I think that depending on how close of it he might have to face the winner or that, just kind of with timing working out and whatnot. But I I think he's genuinely done done enough to make another run. And with Izzy kind of running through everyone in their second chances, I don't see why Brunson doesn't deserve a second chance as much as the next guy.
2: Yeah. The only reason why I think Brunson tries as hard as he can to sit and wait is the fact that he's 37. And you saw, like, Frankie Edgar have a title shot lined up Because Frankie Edgar is the legend that he is, he fought Brian Ortega and was like, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. Um, And and lost his title shot. And it's kind of been a downward spiral for Frankie since then. So I wouldn't be surprised if the 37-year-old Brunson who switched camps and rips off five straight wins since fighting Adesanya. I wouldn't be surprised if... He, yeah, sits this one out and tries to get winner. Where is he ranked right now in middleweight? Four? Yeah, four. four. Behind Cannoneer,
0: Whitaker, and Costa.
2: Is that the new rankings? Like that come out Monday? Yeah, probably. Yep, so, know.
0: yeah, wow. Okay.
2: Hmm. All right. Sweet. It's interesting is so high. That bothers me. But, I mean, he's been inactive, and he got embarrassed by Adesanya. But, okay. uh but who hasn't? Marvin Vittori. He, he thinks he won which is embarrassing. He he thinks yeah, that, that might be, that might within itself be embarrassing. Jan Blahovich. and also news and notes that Kobe kind of brushed over, but we talked about it last week, but I want to mention again, Alex Pereira officially signed the dotted line to be in the UFC. Wild. Um, okay. So Kobe, let's
1: jump over to set the spread for, uh, Anthony Smith, Ryan Spann. Ew! <laughs> ew.
2: Oh my god, you! I really, I think I underestimated what this card
1: was. Okay. Um. Well, we're gonna roll through it. We've be got... ready for fight card of the year right here, people. Do you hear that, you know, talking Anthony man? Anthony Smith headlines more terrible cards than anybody else in the UFC.
2: Yeah, that's not.
1: That's like such a
2: perfectly honest take. Yeah, you're right. Literally. Anyways.
1: First fight of the main card. We've got a middleweight bout. Joaquin Buckley and Antonio Arroyo. So hold on a sec. Oh, yeah. So DK is yeah, coming off a win. Okay. DK's oh, coming huh? off a win. He's going to lead things off today. 14-12 is Reese's lead on the year.
0: Okay. Okay. So I still got some room. All right.
1: Let's DK, go ahead.
0: All right. Middleweights. You got Joaquin Buckley. Um, had... Just one of the best knockouts of all time. Three fights ago against Impa last year. Guy who, or a knockout that put his name definitely onto many casuals' minds. So I do expect there to be a little bit of a bump as to what I really think the line is. But then you also look at Ahoyo at a and you're seeing he's coming off two straight losses. One of them being to Duran win oh. an incredibly one-dimensional fighter. Someone that Reese and I love to fade. I'm sure we lost money on Ahoyo that night. I am obviously going to have Buckley as the favorite, and I am going to make it minus 260 with the bump from Buckley's knockout and the Kanye song.
2: Okay, go. Wait, Kanye song?
0: Kanye used the uh, highlight of Buckley knocking out Impa and dropped a random, so not, not, a, not related to Donda. This was. In 2020, when oh yeah, it was like nah, 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 or whatever.
2: Um. Okay. Cool. Uh, I love that, but I'm actually on you. And the reason why is because as as highlighted as Buckley is at like with as highlighted as in how fucking sick some of his knockouts are, Jordan Wright and Impa mainly. I mean, he got uh, – he had a pretty tough fight against Kevin Holland, who obviously is, like, very talented in the striking regards, but that win didn't – or that loss didn't age great. And then the the, the DeCarico the De head kick knockout was tough. And I think that anyone coming off a vicious knockout like that against a guy like uh, DeCarico cannot be 260. Um, I actually came in here with 210, and I was hoping that you'd go over – um I'm not going right to price his right you and I, but I am going to go 220. So I'm going to go Buckley minus 220. Um uh, uh, Ohio plus 180 on the other side or one
1: Reese, you got to stick to your guns. Buckley minus 210 after oh! minus 190. Just barely a missed opportunity there but a point nonetheless. Sorry. Lightweight bout Arman Sarukian and Christos Yagos. Christos Yagos coming off a performance of the night. Back UFC 262.
2: All right. Christos Gigos is been in the UFC a lot longer than I think people realize. I've, I've actually had conversations about him. Um, I mean, not recently, but mainly in the Carlton minus fight because Carlton minus was on my prospects to potentially watch list. He ended up winning that fight. And I believe he was a dog would be my guess. That was a good win for him there. Um, I actually am gonna find out if he was a dog or not. No, he was a huge favorite. Okay. Uh so he was a huge favorite over Minus, which is like I I thought Carlton Minus was gonna have a better career than he did. I mean, he he's faced some high-level opponents in the UFC, including the lightweight champion currently, Charles Oliveira. But there's I imagine that Tarsukian has to be the favorite. Um he came off that win against Matt Forvola, which Dan, I believe we were on Forvola there. If I remember correctly, at least one of us was um, as a potential dog spot. I mean, he was plus 500 and we were like, Oh, potentially like not actually betting, but saying like there might be an underdog play there. Um, but, but Davi Hamos, Aubin Mercier. I mean, his only real loss in the UFC is to Islam Makachev. And if you're winning that fight, you're God. So uh, Tarsukian almost has to be the favorite. At 24, I would be, I would imagine that he wouldn't be like a crazy, crazy favorite because of the fact, at least in my experience, like experience plays such a fact. Like I, I get so scared back in those young guys, but um, I'm going to go as high as Tarsukian
0: minus two
2: sixty
0: five. 65. I'm glad you brought up the Islam fight um, with that being his only loss and the way that that fight went, if you remember, is why I'm going to go way over you. Uh, and and I and I am a big Christos Yagos fan. I think we've mentioned it on the pod. Um, he his last fight when Kobe and I were in the building and we watched him get his his bonus, and that was just a, a hype moment. But Sarugyan is a different kind of prospect, a different kind of talent. I just pulled up the stats for that fight, so I don't talk out of my ass. But Armin Sarugyan. Stuffed five of the nine takedowns Islam through or shot. That's not to mention. Crazy. Not to mention Armin landed one of his own. He took Islam down. This is a different level of wrestler. I think it's going to be in the minus 500 range. Wow. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with minus 500. I think that there's going to be an untouchable line. Armin Sarukyan is a like a future title contender for real. This guy's well, really I, talented.
2: I agree with that. I think where I really fucked up is I really like Christos Gallegos. Gallegos. Ga- Gallegos. I was, so I haven't filmed or anything, but when I was looking through his record, um, I was starting to remember a lot of those fights like the Jerkar close fight where he ended up losing, but like he looked good. His, his foundation looked good.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a good grappler. He's got good I hands. Think, I think Purigana, I Tiger Muay Thai and the Dagestani wrestling. It's just this is one of those next level guys. Just that the guy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You got to turn on the TV just to watch.
2: All right. I'm going to assume I already lost
1: this
0: one. But Kobe ripped
1: the bandaid off fast. Minus 700.
0: Jeez, wow.
1: Jesus.
0: Wow. Even way bigger than I thought.
1: Wow. Open minus 300, but just immediately steamed. So everybody right now. Get
2: your your Armin Tarsukian flags out because we're 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 looking at like if you if you had a crystal ball, Dan, and I told you five years from now it's Islam defending it or four even sooner than that, three years from now, Islam defending the lightweight and you'd be like, Yeah,
0: it makes sense. <laughs> yeah yeah. Not even question it. And I'm not sure if he has a rookie card or not out, but that's what I will not. be heavily investing in. Yeah, that's going to be one. Wow. I
1: want to put my hand up here. I'm embarrassed. 260 is an insult. 1-1. Uh, one, one, next fight, lightweight bout, Jim Miller and Nicholas Mota.
2: Oh, God. I know, I know the viewers, too, are probably just like, that idiot. He did 260 on Armin Tarsuki, and he must be a fucking fish. This I think one's... I'm up, Kobe. No, Danny, sure. you are up. You are up. My bad. Go ahead. I'm happy to let you leap because I'm no, not no, really no, sure go ahead. where to There's, start for this No, this is
0: a mistake. I just
2: – a little trickier. I'm used, <laughs> I'm, used to, I'm used to leading off because I'm, I'm winning.
0: <laughs> no, I get you.
2: Chirp, chirp.
0: <laughs> Jim Miller, obviously, is a guy who we know, we've seen. I mean, he's 38. He's got, I mean, 20, 30 UFC fights. He's fought absolutely everyone. Recently, he's been on a little bit of a skid, one and three in his last four. Um, but this is your classic – prospect versus bet Mata is a guy coming off the contender series uh this will be his debut I I really got to do a lot more taping on him I don't know a ton about him at 28 years old out of factory x Muay Thai I've got to imagine that he's got a pretty pretty solid base um I guess I'm really just struggling with whether or not I think he's going to be favored over an aging, experienced, smart Jim Miller. Um, as I say it out loud, I'm, I'm I'm going to go with Jim Miller being the favorite. I'm going to favor his experience, even though he's one in three in his last four, but it's not going to be too much. I'm just going to go minus one 30. Right, quick,
2: predi- quick prediction here. I think Danny's going to be dead on by the open, but I think, the lines gonna have have moved for Mata being the favorite. One of the main reasons for that is, um, or not really main reason. I mean, look, all we have to watch really from Mata here is his contender series victory. Um, Jim Miller, in his last time out, lost to a guy by the name Joe Slecki. Dan, you're a big favorite of Joe Slecki. And or like you love Joe Sluggy, and he was obviously a big favorite, like two forty five over over Jim Miller. Do you know was a win over Joe Sluggy, Nicholas Mata? Um, and granted, it, it was a while ago, um, about three years ago. But still, I, I looked at that and I was like, man, like I I I love experience, and I almost like always take the experienced fighter. And I, going in, was like, yeah, you know, I kind of think Jim Miller's going to be the favorite. I mean, he's he's got the most fights in UFC history, and, you know, I know he's dropped a couple, but he also will show his – he'll show time and time his experience. I mean, he beat Roosevelt Roberts, a, a, a top prospect, 10-1 at the time via armbar in the first round. We've seen Clay Guida give guy fits. He, he beat him via guillotine choke. Not that long ago, Jason Gonzalez, um, Alex White, who we just talked about five seconds ago, lost via rear naked choke to Jim Miller. I mean, so we, we could like
0: Jim- spend, spend like an hour right, going right, up right. And down Easy. Jim Miller's record Easy. and just getting but I'm happy. Even just- I mean, he's got a 2010 victory over Charles Oliveira by a knee bar. I know. while well, someone's is- knee barring Charles Oliveira. Come no, on. No, crazy. So I, I don't hate the
2: fact that Jim Miller should be a favorite. I'm just going to play the game here and go, you know, MMA math. Uh, Joe Selecki v. Joe Selecki. I'm going to go MMA math here, and I'm going to take Mata minus 140. And you said Jim Miller minus 130? Yep. My guess is Jim Miller is the favorite and faded towards my guess, the complete opposite. But I, I think you're going to be really close to open and farther off where it's at now.
1: Reese has got the trend. Danny's got the point. ah. minus 110 both ways where it's at now minus 170 if you
0: if you had gone any less than 140 that's my point or that's your point
2: no if i go 130 we tie
1: and then we sit around here a little longer we don't have to do that though right now fuck
2: man i literally had the idea let's see if it closes at 130 before fights this week i'm gonna make a ruckus (laughs)
1: because the idea was there Co-main, light heavyweight bout, Jan Kutilaba and Devin Clark, Reese, go for it.
2: Damn, I'm starting to sweat out my eyeballs now and it's not tears, it's sweat. Man, that's a tough one. Okay, so I mean we I mean I think Ian Kutilaba is a name that Danny and I have have said, seemingly said on this podcast more than like any other name. I mean he's always seemingly fighting Magomed Ankalaev f- fucking five times, whatever. Um, I mean Kutalaba coming off two losses to Ankalaya, then wanting to fight him. The guy's clearly a freak. Uh, he dominated Cleo Roundtree, who we just saw. The Glover to Share loss really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, we you know what you're... Kutalaba's Kutalaba. You know what you're getting. I mean, he's he he's fought the best of the best at um, 85 and 205. And so it's... I, I You know what you're getting out of Kutalaba. It's Devin Clark that you don't know what you're getting because you see him dominate decisions against many field. And the big one that I always draw to is Darko Stosic. Darko Stosic is a guy who was a top prospect coming into the UFC. I mean, he since has been cut and has gone on a a winning streak over in Russia, but he was a prospect that people were scared to fight. And he comes in here and Devin Clark just annihilates a decision in the tough spots. And then you see him getting guillotine choked by Ryan Spam and triangle choke by Anthony Smith. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So, you know, I I think that because I don't know what I'm getting out of Devin Clark and because there's those question marks about like, okay, yeah, his wrestling's phenomenal, but he keeps getting caught in chokes. Not that Kutalaba is going to rip off a choke or anything. It's more like, I think he's going to be able to stuff a lot of what Clark throws his way and, and, and dispose of him quite quickly. I'm going to go Kutalaba minus 180. Devin Clark plus
0: 160. It's a good number. Um, I I really agree with a lot of what you're saying, especially just stylistically, Devin Clark being a good wrestler, but not really having much else to offer, and especially with his fight IQ being such a red flag. I think that we both lost money when he fought Anthony Smith and just showed the look of any basic jujitsu defense i mean i was sitting on my couch screaming at the tv like watch out for the triangle watch out for the fucking triangle fucking get out of there don't slam him into it it only is gonna get tighter just dumb shit um and so I, i do think that even with kudalaba coming off a loss or two losses and then a draw so not having a win in his last three he does still have like a better trajectory or a better hype Air around him than Devin Clark does. I just think Devin Clark at this point has completely fallen out of favor with me. But I don't think I'm comfortable to go up to minus 180 or to start laying double to or starting to get half my money return on Kudalaba just because I mean, wh- what we know about Kudalaba, he's super exciting. He throws caution to the wind, but that can get you clipped pretty easily or stylistically could get you a road for three rounds. I'm going to go
1: with Kudalaba -150. Okay. Point game DK. -140 oh. Kudalaba.
0: I actually wanted to go up to 160. I was thinking about. So I wasn't going to move.
2: There's there's a spot to there the... to be played. It's I'm not saying pause in place or anything, but there's a spot there to be played on Kudalaba at only -140. So I think Kutulaba was going to knock it
1: out. Late, I do too. I do too. Clark opened up minus 115, slight favorite.
2: Wow. I mean, Clark's shown me nothing that warrants that. I mean, I wrote him against Stozik, and, um, but I also wrote him against Anthony Smith. Fuck, I'm actually really
0: hurt by I, that. It, it's not like Kudulava can't grapple. Uh, it's that's not what, like I'm, Devin that's Clark what I'm saying. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to ride him for three rounds, it's going to be, like, easy. And it's like, oh, shit, like, we're not on the feet. We've got no chance. No, Kudulava can get sweeps. Kudulava can – Play jujitsu just as well as Devin Clark, I think. I mean, from what I was just saying, Devin Clark can't play jujitsu as well as me.
2: Right, literally. The fact that I mean, I'm the stuff you see out of Devin Clark. Sometimes you literally can't help but just scratch your head and just be, like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Man, that one's tough. I won't lie; that one's tough. Match is um, over.
1: We got one more fight though. Light heavyweight: Anthony Smith yeah. and Ryan Span. Is lead off? BK lead it off.
0: Um, like Kobe said, Ryan or Anthony Smith is a guy who seems to headline more shitty cards than anyone else, and the reason for that really is you build yourself up a name when you're a not a decision, but a your own decision away from beating John Jones in that in that one moment of the illegal strike when he had the ability to take the belt off John Jones and decided not to, he became uh, a a name that the UFC can sell. And for, better or for worse, I think for worse, but here we are with him highlighting a card or headlining another card, even though I don't think that he has any really impressive parts of his game. He's pretty decent. I mean, his Muay Thai is decent. His jujitsu is decent. uh, Even though he's getting, I mean, ground and pounded by Glover and, He's another guy that's just such a big question mark of what you're going to get. But luckily for him, I think that he's more skilled than Ryan Span, a guy who is really just confusing. There's so many guys on this card that you just never know what you're going to get. They could come out and be absolutely awesome, or they can come out and not pick up their head and just eat elbows repeatedly until they go to sleep like Span did against Johnny Walker. I have to go with Smith being the favorite just from what I said, him earning that name, him him being one of the selling points at heavyweight, as shallow as this division is. Um, I'm going to go with Smith minus 150. And I, I really just hate this whole fight.
2: I am in a very similar camp to you except one big thing. I think people underestimate how trash I think Ryan span is. Um, nothing to do with Anthony Smith, but like when you're losing to Johnny Walker, when Johnny Walker drops three straight and has no sense of defense whatsoever, when you're barely edging out split decision victories over Sam Alvey, who's dropped six straight and is 55 years old. Um, it, it's hard for me to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm excited to back this guy, right? Um, but at the same time, it's like he's growing Misha Serkin in his last fight out. I feel like he's bitten by the same type of bug where it's like, what the what am I going to get out of Ryan's band today? You know what I mean? I mean, he loops his punches a lot, so you're worried about that being a threat as in like if he stays and, and loops his punches, is he going to get the job done, so on and so forth. But I just think Anthony Smith, the veteran and a guy who's, who's, like you said, made it all the way up to the ladder and back. Um, I, I think he gets it done pretty decisively. Dan, what'd you say? 130, 140? I think I had 50. 50? All right, I'll
1: 50 go, I'll go Anthony Smith, minus 180. Um, Ryan's pants trash. Classic. Minus 165. It's a dead push.
2: Yeah, good thing Dan's already got this shit. Didn't oh. matter.
1: Uh We have Contender Series again coming up on Tuesday. We'll be back after that, probably Wednesday or Thursday next week, taped and ready to go for Smith and Span. I got to get the fuck out of here, boys. Danny, (laughs) it was a poha. Danny, hit
2: us a poha on the way
0: out. This poha
1: is for uh, my bet tonight on the
0: opening night of the football season. I'm probably going to back Tom Brady and poha Tom
1: Brady.